Welcome to the True North Podcast. This podcast is about navigating through today's culture in the direction that lands at the heart of God. Let's go! somebody near you and say, I'm so happy that you are here. Look at somebody else and say, I'm super happy that you're here too. (laughs) I'm happy you're here. Hallelujah. David said, I know I sound like the saints of old, but David said, I used to love it when my dad was saying as a kid, but David said, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go unto the house of the Lord. Amen. Let us go. I was, you think about that. This isn't in the notes. But for me, one of the reasons I love being in the house of the Lord is because there are, I'm, 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 I'm among like-minded people. You, you, ever, you ever been in a space where you're the only person that thinks the way you do? So therefore, you're always curtailing what you're going to say, curtailing. To the, but when we get in the house of the Lord, we're around people that, guess what, believe in Jesus you're also around people that, you know what, probably struggled this week just like you did. You're around people this week that had to swipe, you know, past those thoughts and, and pull, swipe past all the, all the imaginations that exhaust themselves before God and had to pull down the right type of, you're around people that had to pray to make it through the day. You're around people that had to say, hey, Lord, I thank you for your new mercy today. Lord, I thank you for your new grace. I thank you for filtering my language. I thank you for filtering my body language. Lord, I thank you for healing my body. You're around people that are calling on the name of Jesus. You're amongst people that are doing that. Amen. Amen. So it's such a joy to be in the house of the Lord. It's such a joy to be around like-minded people, but also don't let us settle just for this. Amen. If this is the finish line, then guess what? You're in the wrong race. Woo. If this is the finish line, you're in the wrong race. The finish line is your co-workers exalting the name of Jesus, bowing their knees and exalting the name of Jesus. The finish line is your family members that aren't saved, the family members that you like. You're like, Lord, they, they, Lindsay, they need Jesus. That's the finish line for them to call upon the name of the Lord. Alongside with you, locked arms. Listen, when me and the boys, whenever we go into a store, I've developed the system. It's the peanut butter and jelly system. And it's funny because for a man that's allergic to peanut butter, I reference peanut butter all the time with these kids. But what it is, is especially if Kelsey, if it's just all three of us, most of the time I'm holding Cohen. I have Keenan. Keenan's got to be at my hip, if y'all know my boys. Keenan's at my hip, and Kellen's on the outside. Keenan is the jelly, and you, if you ask Keenan, he'll tell you I'm the peanut butter and jelly. And me and his brother, we are the bread. We smush. We're all smushed as we're walking through the park a lot. And this is how we get from one place to the other. We are lockstep. Joining hands together as we're walking in the parking lot, and we smush together. And you'll hear sometimes if Kellen veers off, Keenan will say, "No, that, no, brother, brother, remember, we're the, I'm the peanut butter jelly. You're the bread. Come on, smush, smush." You'll hear us as we walk into Walmart, smush, 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 as we get into it was getting get inside the store. We're lockstep with each other. You are lockstep with your fellow believers. You are lockstep with God wants you in lockstep with your fellow believers. He wants the people that aren't saved to be in lockstep with you. So that's what that means. You have to open your mouth. You have to become brave and bold and take his presence with you and it's and express his presence everywhere you go. Amen. Amen. 
We said it last week. If you wasn't here, I encourage you to listen to the podcast. But we said it last week. The work of the Holy Spirit. I forgot about this, so this is the Lord bringing it back to my remembrance. The work of the Holy Spirit is meant to be shared, not stored. Amen? The work of the Holy Spirit is meant to be shared, not stored. Lindsay, what's the Holy Spirit doing in me? We said it last week. He is perfecting, I-N-G. That means it is an ongoing thing. And see, a lot of times, you know, we think with this Christian life, there is a finish line and we're going to reach it. I'll be honest, the finish line is on the other side of this life. When we are with him face to face. And what the Holy Spirit is doing for the rest of your life, he will be perfecting you. He will be going, he will be in, he's in you already, but there's spots and there's spaces in your mind and in your heart that need perfecting. There's spaces in your language that don't look like Jesus. There's desires in your life that don't look like Jesus. There's, there's entertainment choices that don't look like Jesus. There's, there's thoughts and there's guilt and there's shame. And he's going in there and he's perfecting it. Amen. Amen. If you have a Bible this morning, we're going to be in John chapter 14, 14 verses 16 to 17. We're in our Holy Spirit series. This is week three. This is kind of one of the foundational scriptures really verse one is but we've read it before just to quote it do not fear do not worry or surrender your fear do not worry or surrender your fear but while you're turning there if not we'll put it on the screen but while you're turning there we've you know we've I, I I encourage you don't let the Holy Spirit just be an annual thing don't let the Holy Spirit just be a, a once in a time thing a, a, a weekly thing where you you hear about him on Sundays you you think about him you meditate on meditate on him, you read the scriptures about him you you maybe pray you maybe invite him in and then come Monday through Friday Monday through Saturday you're back at it you're back in the driver's seat amen, amen. I encourage you let not let that not be your testimony. But Jesus says in John 14, verse 16 and 17, and I will ask the father and he will give you another savior. Who's this other savior Jesus is talking about? The Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit of truth, who will be to you a friend just like who? Me. Me is in Jesus. So Jesus is saying that the Holy Spirit is meant to be your friend. You know, you're, you're, you think about it, your best friend, you know, your best friend, you don't just talk to him once, you know, once a month. Or once a year, your best friend, you probably calling them all the time, text them all the time. Listen, one of my best friends, he don't even he don't even live in the state, but we're we're messaging every at least every couple of days. You know, so therefore if, if you do that on the earthly realm, on the earthly side of things, when it comes to the Holy Spirit, you need to be actively engaging him. Amen. But it says that Jesus says the world won't receive the Holy Spirit because they can't see him or know him. So church, do not get upset when people don't understand about your praise. Do not get upset when people don't understand why you love the Lord like you do. Do not get upset when people aren't devoted to this thing like you are. Do not get upset. Do not get upset. Do not get upset. But you know him intimately because he remains with you and will, and will live inside of you. I'm going to skip down to verse 26. Verse 26 says this, but Jesus is saying, but when the Father sends the spirit of holiness, watch this, the one like me who sets you free, he will teach you all things in my name, and he will inspire you to remember every word that I've told you. So what's he setting you free from? What's the Holy Spirit setting you free from? Because you said the one like me who set you free. What's the Holy Spirit setting us free from? The Holy Spirit comes to end the work of the curse of sin in your daily life. 
in your daily life, the effects of the curse of sin, the Holy Spirit is saving us from that day to day to day to day. That's how we're able to go from glory to glory because he's ongoing. It's a on, somebody say it's an ongoing thing. It is an ongoing thing. Amen. Look, look at somebody, just, just smile at them real quick. Just smile at them. Show, show them, there you go. Show them what the Lord gave you. Amen. But watch this in John chapter 16, verses 1 through 9. Jesus says this in verse 1. <clears throat> he says this in verse 1, and then actually I'm going to skip down to verse 7. I should have took some of those extra verses out. That was my bad. But in verse 1, he says this, I have told you this so that you would not surrender to confusion or doubt. What does that sound like? That sounds kind of familiar, don't it? Let's reread it in case the people at home missed it. I have told you this so that you would not surrender to confusion or doubt. Why does this sound familiar? Why? Because obviously in John chapter 16, let me help you out. Let me give it to him, Pat. All right, in John chapter 16, he's, we're going to see that he's going to talk about the Holy Spirit. Where else did he talk about the Holy Spirit? He talked about it two chapters up in John chapter 14. In verse 1, he opens, the, he opens his dialogue about the Holy Spirit saying, Do not worry. Or surrender to fear. So I don't know about you. I don't know about you. But everything Jesus says is important. Okay, let's, let's just get that right off the bat. Everything he says is important. Amen. But if he's repeating something that I believe, just me, just little Lindsay, I believe if he has the unction to repeat it, you might want to prioritize it. You know, for those that grew up with, uh, we'll, we'll just say the 90s, all the, everybody grew up, you know, 90s and earlier, you know, when mom and daddy told you something, and they said it twice, the first time, they said it once, you know, hey, you better get it, but they said it twice, you, you best be, you know, beating them feet and, and scooting, do whatever you got to do. If Jesus is saying this multiple times, then guess what, church, we best be paying attention. I know that's not proper English, but somebody say, you best pay attention. If he said it multiple times, you best pay attention. Lindsay, what did he say multiple times? He said in this, he said, I told you this so that you would not surrender to confusion or doubt. So earlier he said, don't worry or surrender to, to your fear. Then he talks about, he explains the Holy Spirit and how he's going to be the great comforter. And then in John chapter 15, he explains how he is the true vine. And whatever you need, you run to him and you can feel it. You can receive whatever you need. And then out of that, he begins to say, I've told you all that I've told you just so you wouldn't surrender to confusion or doubt. Amen. Amen. Don't worry, nor surrender to your fear. The old translation says, don't let your heart be troubled. Do not fear. Do not let your heart be troubled. Lindsay, how do we do this? By this way, by leaning into the one who is the opposite of confusion, anxiety, depression, trauma, and drama. How do we not surrender to confusion or doubt? By leaning into the one that's the opposite of all that. Amen. Who is that? Jesus is the opposite of all that. His spirit is the opposite of all that. Amen. Amen. Let's skip down to verse 7. It says this. Jesus says, but here's the truth. Here's the truth. It's to your advantage that I go away. For if I don't go away, the divine encourager. You see what he calls the Holy Spirit in this translation? The divine encourager. I love this because guess what? Not everybody's going to clap you up for free. Not everybody's going to clap you up for free. You might have that one friend that, uh, that'll give you some affirmation, but guess what? They're expecting something in return. But the, whole, the Bible says the Holy Spirit, he is the divine encourager. That doesn't mean he just he doesn't just clap you up. He doesn't just gas you up. He's not a yes person. 
Therefore, he knows the very things that's going to encourage you to make it through the day. That's going to encourage you to hold your head up. That's going to encourage you to forget the past. That's going to encourage you to remember that you are the beloved of God. He knows the very words and the very scenarios to present in your life that's going to encourage you that you are the creation of God. That you are not, the, you are not your worst mistake. He knows all that. He's the divine encourager. Verse 8, and when he comes, he will expose sin and prove that the world is wrong about God's righteousness and his judgments. Sin, because they refuse to believe in who I am. How is the Holy Spirit the divine encourager? I love this because Jesus literally says, because Jesus went away, he sent to us the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit mirrors the type of fellowship that he, Papa, and the Son have. See, the Holy Spirit, he's mirroring that type of fellowship that he, that he shares with the Father and the Son. So watch this. So, so if he is mirroring that and that type of fellowship, it's face-to-face. -face. Therefore, the Holy Spirit is face-to-face -face with you, redefining your original identity. See, literally, the Holy Spirit, he, he's in you. And all he does, because Jesus says he doesn't do anything apart from me. And Jesus says, I don't do anything apart from the Father. So guess what? They're all in sync. Jesus is mirroring the Father. Holy Spirit is mirroring Jesus. They're all in sync. And they all reside face to face. And if the Holy Spirit is mirroring face to face what he sees, where is he mirroring that? He's mirroring what he sees in you. So therefore, what he desires is face to faceness with you. Face to face fellowship with you face-to-face -face fellowship with you and as he does this face-to-face -face fellowship with you he redefines your original identity he redefines your mind back to the way it was before sin was a problem before the guilt and shame before your mess ups before your hiccups before your blowouts before your before your mess mess up before all the different things that you throw guilt and shame and get worried about and anxious about all these different things amen, amen. now somebody say buckle up now, in verse 8, I want you to notice this. Jesus says, and when he comes, he will expose sin and prove that the world is wrong about God's righteousness and his judgments. Verse 9, sin because they refuse to believe in me. Now, I've taught this before. And most of the time, it's, it's either it's done one or two scenarios. It's either flew over some of y'all's head or some of y'all just in your heart, you kind of rolled your eyes over. And I get it. It is what it is because it's new. But understand this. We've talked about it before. But in the New Testament, it's written in Greek. Old Testament was written in. Does anybody remember? Come on now. All right. That's a sign that y'all get. Y'all right. Old Testament was written in Hebrew. Everybody say Hebrew. Hebrew because we know God was a fan of coffee. Why? Because he brewed it. I mean, come on. There we go. There we go. There's some smiles again. <laughs> he had on the, on the, on, you know, whatever day he made caffeine and it was good. Yes, it was. Amen. Boo. All right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> get her off the stage <laughs> but the old test was written in hebrew new test was written in greek and i say that is because i encourage you when you're reading the bible just just take time out like leans i don't have a whole lot of time okay well just take, take one verse take one verse and just begin to look it up in the greek i mean listen the world wide web is at your fingertips on your phone Literally, there's websites, and if you don't know websites, I could give you some after service. One of my favorites is blueletterbible.com or .org. I can't remember. 
But anyways, you can look verses up in the Greek and see what they originally mean. But in verse 9 where he talks about sin because they refuse to believe in who I am, the word sin here is hamartia. And I, and I actually made a slide for you and put it up here so we can see it. But sin in the Greek, it's the word hamartia. Somebody say hamartia. So hamartia, if you break it down, the word ha in the hamartia, it's negative or without. And meros means portion or form. Together they mean to be without form. Sin is to be without form. Sin is to live out of context with the blueprint of one's design. Watch this. It's to behave out of tune with God's original harmony. God, When God created you, he created you with a certain design. You know, this phone right here. We all have a smartphone, whether it's Apple or Android. It's created with a certain design, and with that certain design comes a certain purpose. And according to what, the, what we see in the Bible is when we, when we sin, it's because we are living out of our created design. When we sin, we are living out of our created contents. And when we live out of our created contents, you will miss the mark every time. But see, sin, like I said, but that's why we were given the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, he mirrors the type of fellowship that he and Papa and the Son have, which is face-to-face. Therefore, somebody say therefore. therefore. Therefore, the Holy Spirit is face-to-face redefining your original being. He's redefining everything. But think of it this way. To live out of context of your original design. Let's take an eagle, for instance. Imagine an eagle plopping out of the nest and going down to where the lions are. First off, they don't even live on the same continent. But imagine an eagle flying all the way to the lions and decides to take the position of Papa Lion, the male lion. See, the, first off, the eagle, the way it's created, it would miss the mark of caring for the cubs every time. Why? Because the eagle, its mouth isn't big enough to carry an antelope. Its claws are not strong enough to grip an antelope and carry it off into the wind. Otherwise, the whole bird's nest be feasting. I mean, they'd be feasting for a year if they could do that. But the way it's naturally designed, I'm getting you, the way it's naturally designed, it cannot do that. So, therefore, it would be living out of context. Amen? Amen. It would be living out of context if it, tried to, if it tried to care for and provide. If it tried to be a lion, if an eagle tried to be a lion, it would be living out of its created function. It would be living out of its created purpose. In fact, the moment that the eagle crossed over to the, to the lion realm or lion world, instantly they're going to be like, ooh, what's this? <laughs> we never seen one of these. And what's going to happen? That lion's going to grab that eagle and bring it back for snack. All right? Why? Because the eagle is in a realm where it's not supposed to be. It's doing something that was never created to be. That eagle would miss the mark every time. Watch this. Because it originally was not created to be anything other than an eagle. It was never created to be anything other than what God made it to be. Sin is to live out of context with the blueprint of one's design. And that starts with believing something that God and your that starts with believing a lie about God and yourself that is simply not true. Adam and Eve, they missed the mark. How did they miss the mark? They believed a lie about the Father and themselves. Well, if you really were created in the image of God, then you'd be able to you'd be able to eat of that tree. Just go and eat it so you can know who so you can be like God. Well, you know, I, I guess you're right. Why 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 didn't he make me fully like himself? When we see in the verses that when God created man. It says, let us make man. Let us make man in our image. Amen. 
Let us make man in our image. And Adam and Eve missed the mark. They sinned by believing first a lie about God and themselves. You know, so for us on this side of it, it seems so obvious, like, oh, you know. If you're like me, I used to say growing up, like, I remember asking my mom and dad, I can't remember what they said, but I remember being like, you know, how, how, how did, how did, where was the red flag of this is a talking snake? It's a snake. It's talking. Snakes don't do that. Did, was that not a big red flag of, oh, this is weird. Let's not do that. But I, I can't remember what the answer was. But, you know, us on this side of it, we're all like, well, how did they, how did they not know? You know, I'm pretty sure, you know, if a, if a snake comes up to you and start talking, it's a, y'all, I bind the devil right now. You Some of y'all, you better get I know that's the devil. An animal come up to you or, or better yet, somebody, you know, somebody that we know that isn't right or all these different things. We, you know, we, we always think that, you know, the devil is going to be this flashing neon sign or this obvious choice of a slithering animal. But sin comes in all forms, shapes and sizes. But it always starts with a, a influential, a influential thought of, are you sure God really promised you that? Are you sure God's going to be faithful with this? Are you, are, how long are you willing to wait on the Lord because this is due now or this is due next week or that's what, what, when, you know, when, are, when, when are you going to be tired of being alone? What about all these sin loves to put you against, not with, but against what God has promised you. It loves, you pit, it loves to pit you against the word of God. You think about it when, when the devil was tempting Jesus in the wilderness Instead of pushing him, and he didn't realize it, but he was pushing him towards what the Father had promised him. He loved to pit him against what God had promised him. Well, if you really are, then you could command these stones to become bread. If you really are the Son of God. But he didn't realize Jesus knew who he was. And he said, no, you're right, I am the Son of God. And because I am the Son of God, I can trust in my Father. I don't have to do anything. He will take care of the rest. Sin loves to pit you against what God has promised you. The devil loves to pit you against what God is wanting to do in your life. But the work of the Holy Spirit, you know what the work of the Holy Spirit does? As the devil is pitting you against what God has promised you, the Holy Spirit is in. He's saying the opposite. His language is the opposite. No, 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 no. Yeah, I hear what the devil say, but no, no. Remember what God says. Remember what God has promised you. Remember all the time. In fact, the, the Holy Spirit will bring up the highlight reel. The Holy Spirit, you know, Sports Center, they have the top 10. The Holy Spirit will bring up the top 1,000, all the a top 1 million, all the different ways that God is intervening in your life. I mean, have you ever, have you ever taken time just to sit back and, and think about where, where He's brought you from, how He's delivered you, how He has freed you, how He has saved you? You know, you know what that was? That was the Holy Spirit reminding you of how God is perfecting you. How God is faithful to you. How God is faithful to his word where he says he will never leave you or forsaken you. Guess what? It may get tough. It may get tough, but guess what? Just sit back and remind yourself. Oh, Lord, you did it before. One of my favorite songs by Todd Tribbett. I get giddy when it comes on. If he did it before, guess what? He will do it again. And he's so cool about it that he'll do it a different way. He'll bless you a different way. He'll free you a different way. He'll heal you a different way. He'll save you a different way. He'll deliver you a different way. He'll make a way out of no way a different way. Why? Just to show you, hey, what you thought I could do, I have something totally, totally different. 
which watches, which keeps us trusting. Because we don't, we don't, we, we're not able to box him in. We're not able to put him into a formula. We're not able to put him in a certain method. I'll be honest, those that love to put God in a formula, I'm leery of. I, I do not like to put God in a formula. I grew up, used to, I used to put God in a formula. Okay, well, worship's got to be this particular way. When I approach him in prayer, I got to say this or got to do that. And we're all guilty of it. When the Holy Spirit is like, hey, this relationship, imagine, you know, for those that are in the relationship, whether you're married or in a relationship or have been, imagine what happens when you put your significant other in a, in a box. You expect them to do certain things and you always approach them in a certain way. It takes the joy out of that relationship. It takes the life out of it. It's like a balloon that lets go of the air just slowly, just that slow leak. You know, as parents, you know, our kids, they love balloons. And when it's time for us to finally throw the balloons away, which is our favorite part, because I get old real quick and kids fight over them over balloons but you know we can't just pop them because the noise scares everybody so what we do we cut a little hole and just let the air out slow just shh. I remember Kelsey showed me that one time she's like no don't pop it just let it out slow they'll never know I was like what? weeks later have you seen the balloon no nah, I ain't seen it ain't, ain't been around in a minute I don't know what happened to it that slowly for the parents, it's 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 monumental. It's trans. I mean, it's a game changer. You get rid of that balloon, and nobody's the wiser. But it's that just that that subtle. You know, it's not. We don't have to jab. It's just a little subtle cut. A lot of times, the devil will just do a little subtle cut. It's just a little subtleness. Whether it's a whether it's a comment from a loved one. A comment from somebody we go to church with or a comment from somebody that you haven't seen in a while, whether it's through a phone call or a text message or you run into them at the grocery store or you go to work. It's, it's, the, it's the subtleness. The devil's real good at being subtle. devil's really good at being subtle. So, Lindsay, how do we counter that? By leaning into the Holy Spirit. Because guess what? Ecclesiastes says that there's nothing new under the sun. There's nothing new under the sun. Did you know that? The devil has the same bag of tricks. As much as I love my favorite basketball player, Steph Curry, he has, this, he has his favorite spots on the court that he goes and shoots from the same spots every time. The devil does the same tricks every time, but also the Holy Spirit knows his playbook. And the Holy Spirit is in you, perfecting you so you can know the playbook. So when certain people say certain things, you're like, wait, I recognize this. That's not you. That's the, that's the devil trying to get me. That's the devil trying to get me to react. That's the devil trying to get me to, to loosen my grip of faith. That's the devil trying to get me to, to, to rise up through anxiety and not believe in the Lord. That's the devil trying to get me to lose my hope. That's the devil trying to get me to lose my joy. That's, all, that's opposition. I recognize it. Why? Because the Holy Spirit has got his playbook. It's open, and he's letting me know that. He's informing me of that. Amen? Amen. But like I said, an eagle, when it's trying to be a lion, it's living out of contents. And with the Holy Spirit, with the Holy Spirit, literally what he's doing in you, he is redefining who you really are. We live in a world where everybody wants to change. Everybody wants to better up. Everybody wants to blow up. Everybody wants to glow up. But the Holy Spirit is the one true source of your redefining. Amen. Amen. He redefines you. He redefines you. The Holy Spirit is face-to-face with you, redefining your original being, the way you were before the fall, the way you were before the fall. And guess what? This redefining, it's uh, the Holy Spirit, it's not an annual work. 
It's not a monthly thing. It's not a, it's not a bi-weekly. It's not a bi-weekly deposit into your bank account. Church, what it is, it's a daily. It's a daily work. What the Holy Spirit wants to do in you, it is a daily work. In fact, my grandmother used to say when I was a kid, it's not a daily work, it's an hourly work. We used to sing the song how, it, you know, it's an hourly work. I need the O. I need the every what hour I need you. And if we're being honest, if we're really being honest, if we're not being, if we're not being you know, pretty, if we're not being glammed up or, or propped up, it's not even an hourly work. It's a minute by minute. And there's some days where it's a second by second. It's a moment by moment. It's a, Lord, I know I called on you five minutes ago, Lord, but I feel the devil again. I, I, I feel this opposition again. I feel the regret. I feel the bitterness. I feel the shame. I feel all these things. Lord, I need you again. And that's when the Holy Spirit is like, hey, I'm, I'm here perfecting. I, I, I see what's going on, and I'm perfecting you. I see what the devil's doing, and I'm raising up a standard against this. It's, an, it's, it's a moment by moment. And guess what? The devil loves to make you feel shameful for when you got to call on the Lord again, when you got to run to him again, when you got to go to the altar, when you got to run to the arms of God, when you're having to pray about the same thing over and over again. But you know the one person that doesn't feel shameful about it? The Lord. The Lord doesn't feel shameful that you got to keep going. Hey, Lord, I, I know I talked to you about this before. I know da, da, da. he is glad that you are running to him versus running to your flesh. Running to him versus running to your best friend who honestly cannot fully solve what is going on in your heart. He is thankful that you are running to him versus running to the bank. Running to him versus running to an, uh, an addiction. Running to him versus running to a show. Running to him versus running to anything you can get your hands on. The Holy Spirit reminds us that even in our weakest times, he's available. Even in our weakest times, he's enough. The Holy Spirit reminds you, even in the moments where you are bitter and angry and upset, he is able, more than able, more than able. There was a moment this morning where I was so upset, and I was like, I just remember sitting down and crying. And I said, Holy Spirit, help me to parent out of justice, love, grace, and mercy. I said, Lord, help me do that. And when I said that prayer, I realized, I was like, Lord, that wasn't me. That was, oh, Holy Spirit, that was you perfecting me in that moment. Instead of me flying off the handle, you, you, you okay, you took over. And church, maybe that's what he wants to do in your life. Because he knows there's things that you're up against that, guess what? If you were in charge, mm-mm, you'd be up a creek without a paddle. But he's in your life waiting for you to allow him to take over. And what do you have to lose? Pastor Kelsey said it earlier, you know, if, if, you, if you're listening to us, you know, and we're wrong, then guess what? You wasted, you wasted an hour in prayer and meditation, five minutes in scripture, 30 minutes in scripture. But what happens if you're right? What happens if you're right? What, what, what happens when you lean into the presence of the Lord? Can I, can I give you an example of what happens? King David you ever, you ever been the king or queen of something? I don't think anybody in this room has. But if you, if you were the king, just imagine if you were the king, you got access to everything. You got access to all the food, all the bacon you want. I'm pretty sure they made pancakes back then. They just didn't know what to label. All the pancakes you want, all the fruit, the exquisite fruits. You can sleep in. 
you know, everybody's waiting on you, so therefore they ain't going to interrupt you. So, I mean, you know, you got people, all the parents in the room, you got people that will tend to the children while you are sleeping. So, therefore, the children wake up early, the, the servers and all, they're, they're doing, the king and queen, they have, they want, watch this, they want for nothing. Why? Because everything is available to them. And David said, one thing, the one thing I desire is to be in your presence forever. The one, so therefore, for David to say that, that meant that he had to evaluate everything that he had access to and realize none of it compared to the presence of the Lord. None of it compared to the Spirit of God residing in him. Because David realized that every war that he fought, it wasn't through his abilities. It was through the anointing of the Lord. Every bear that he slayed, it wasn't through his abilities. It was through the anointing of the Lord. The lions and the tigers defending the sheep. It was through the anointing. The giants, because there's multiple. The giants that he slayed, it was through the anointing, the power. We said it last week. The spirit is the power of God. It was through the spirit of the Lord. What? What? What, what do you need God's power in your life? Where, where, where do you need it? Where do you, where do you need God to really take over in your life? I want us to think about this morning as we close. Where do you fully need God to take over in your life? Is it in your love life? Is it in your finances? Is it on the job? Is it, is it, through, the, is it through charting into uncharted waters? Where is it that we need the Lord to take over in our life? Because guess what? He is waiting on you to let him take over. He is waiting on you to let him take over. And as he takes over, he redefines who you think you are, who you know yourself to be, who you see yourself in the mirror as. You don't see yourself as all the mistakes that you've made. You don't see yourself as barely getting by, but you see yourself as somebody that is surrounded by all of heaven. You see yourself as somebody that all of heaven cheers you on and is clamoring at the chomping at the bit to see your next step, to see how you are going to glorify God on a Monday chomping at the bit to see how you're going to glorify God at your job chomping at the bit to see how you're going to glorify God in Walmart chomping at the bit to see how you're going to represent God at the gas station chomping at the bit to see how you're going to preach the gospel at the family reunion chomping at the bit to see whose hands who you're going to lay hands on and see them recover chomping at the bit to see how you are going to represent God in every space in every element in every room in every building in every town in every city in every state, in every country, in every social media post, they are chomping at the bits. Why? Because there's power in you. Somebody say, there's power in me. There's no special prayer that you had to pray to receive the Holy Spirit. The moment that you put your trust in God, the Bible says the moment you put your trust in God, the moment you put your confidence in God, the Spirit of God is yours, living and moving in you. Power is activated in you. Lindsay, that's not what I was taught. Bump what you were taught. Because guess what, church? Religion don't free nobody. I've lived a life of religion. In 2021, I was faced with religion, and religion had nothing for me. 
Religion never had anything for my depression. Religion never taught me how to be a better father. Religion never taught me how to be an obedient son. Religion never taught me how to be a present brother. Religion never taught me how to be a best friend. Understanding that my God is a father and that he loves me even when I mess up, that's what gave me mercy for my kids. Understanding that he loves me even when I'm unfaithful, that's what showed me how to be a faithful husband. Loving and knowing that he loves me no matter what, that's what gives me mercy and fuel to wake up in the morning and look in the mirror and tackle the day knowing that he is for me knowing that he is for you that's what will motivate you knowing that guess what if God be for you the scripture says if he be for who can be against you I don't care what your past looks like. I don't care how much you mess up. I don't care how much you cuss. I don't care how much you want to punch somebody sometimes. If God is for you, there is a spirit of God perfecting all that, washing away all that, take care of all that, transforming all that to the point that when people try to get a rise out of you, you got nothing for them. When people try to trap you, you got nothing for them. When the devil rises up like a flood, the spirit of God in you perfecting you like we said it last year building that shield wall <laughs> y'all thought we forgot about it building that shield wall where's that shield wall at the devil loves to remind you that it's not there well guess what it's still there church that shield wall fortifying that shield wall Lindsay how do I fortify that shield wall you lean we used to sing it as a kid, leaning on the everlasting arms, not leading on your best friend, not leading on binging shows until you feel better about yourself. Oh, I'm going somewhere. Not leaning on food, not leaning on alcohol, not leaning on love, not leaning on people, not leaning on the loan, not leaning on the job, not leaning on the pleasure you get from your children, but leaning on the everlasting arms. Leading on the everlasting arms of God. Why? Because his arms, when they're stretched wide, they were stretched wide for one reason, and you were that reason. You were that reason. You realize everything he has done up to this point and continues to do is for you. I heard somebody say, we shouldn't make this about me. You know what? He made it about you. He made it about you. Lindsay, how do you know he made it about me? Because he created you. Sometimes the devil loves to make us feel like, man, we are just an accident or we're just here by, by, oh, you know, I'm just here. I'm just trying to make it. And that's the work of the devil right there. I know life is rough. I know life is unideal, but I promise you're not here by accident. You are a blessing to everybody that knows you. I can tell you, everybody in this room, you are a blessing to me. Everybody in this room, you are a blessing to me, whether spiritually or physically, whether you are pushing me to the Lord for joy or whether you're pushing me to the Lord to, all right, Lord, let's fortify the shield wall. But you are a blessing to me. I don't care what the devil tells you. You are a blessing. You are a blessing. You are needed. Somebody say, I'm needed. Somebody say, I'm needed. If the Holy Spirit is redefining you, if he's transforming you back to the way you was before sin was an issue, before all the mistakes, before all the hiccups, I wrote this down. Imagine, imagine the type of parent you would be if you were free of guilt and shame. 
if you was free of the guilt and shame of your childhood. All the parents in the room, imagine the type of parent you would be if you was free of the guilt and shame, if you were free of the feeling of how you don't measure up to other parents. Imagine what type of parent you'd be if you was free of all that. All the aunties in the room, imagine the type of auntie you would be if you was free of all the guilt and shame that you hoard up. All the uncles in the room, all the fathers, all the mothers, all the cousins, teachers. Imagine the type of teacher you could be if you, was, if you was living a life free of guilt and shame. All the people that work a job, imagine the type of employees you would be if you was living a life free of guilt and shame. Free of looking at everybody else and thinking that you don't measure up because you don't have what they have. All the people, human beings breathing at the sound of my voice, listening at the sound of my voice. Imagine the type of life you would have. If you was free of the guilt and shame that you hoard in your heart, God. guess what? We don't have to imagine it. News flash. Can I give you some good news? Can I give you some good news? It's not an imagination. It's not an exhaustion. It's not a stretch. It's not a reach. The Holy Spirit is making that a reality in your life. Literally, we saw Jesus say that he is saving us from the daily effects of sin, the daily guilt and shame, the daily trauma, the daily drama, the daily anxiety, the daily depression, the daily worries, the daily burdens. He's freeing you from all that. He's taking you from glory. And guess what? When you go from one level of glory, some anxiety drops. When you go to another level of glory, some trauma drops. When you go to another level of glory, some worries drop. When you go to another level of glory, and guess what? As you keep going from glory to glory to glory, more things drop. They're dropping. They're dropping. Here's how you know he's working in your life. What's dropping off you? What's dropping off you? What looks different now than it did last year? Lindsay, my bank account looks the same. What about, what about your peace of mind? Can, can you still have a peace of mind even when all things are breaking loose in your life? Well, Lindsay, I struggle to have a peace of mind. Guess what? That's where the Holy Spirit comes in. That's where he comes in. He recognizes, he, he recognizes where we struggle with, and he's perfecting it. He is, can I say it this way? He's the ultimate cheat code. He's the ultimate cheat code. Why? Because you don't have to have a good performance for him to show up in your life. Because we all have those great wheats, and then we all have those low wheats. But that doesn't matter to him. That doesn't matter to the Father and the Son and the Spirit. Because they make up the difference. They make up the difference. You ever, you ever try to pay for something that you were short a little bit, so then, you know, you're trying to, you're trying to split the check or split the card, you know, cash one part and card the next. He makes up the difference. In your weakness, you're still strong. Why? Because he's perfecting you. The Spirit of God is in you. Lindsay, I, I don't fully know if the Spirit of God is. He is in you. Because it's in him you are able to move. We said it last week. It's in him you're able to physically move your body. Because last time I checked, you don't tell your heart to pump the blood. Last time I checked, when you're chewing your food, you're not telling, hey, stomach, go ahead and, you know, intestines, saliva, go ahead and break all this bacon down. Go ahead and break this red velvet cake down. Go ahead and break this ice cream down. Go, go ahead and break it down, baby. Go, go ahead. Come on, stomach. You can do it. Break, break it down now. None of y'all. I, I, last time I went to a restaurant, I didn't hear anybody, you know, I was there. I was at a Chinese restaurant last night getting takeout. I didn't, when I was looking at people, I didn't see them. Break it down. Come on. 
Yep, yep, yep. Go right here. Yep. It's in him. It's in him, your moral bodies. And guess what? When Paul, when, when, when the author referenced that, when Luke referenced that, that was actually a quote from a secular song that they sung. And it was placed into the Bible. Look it up, Lindsay, you lie. I'm not lying. So even in the natural realm, they understood that it wasn't by their own power that their bodies were able to move. But it was by the Spirit of God. It's by the Spirit of God you can stand up and, 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 we, and we open doors, we lift forts, we open cars, we open refrigerators, we go to work, we do the basic things, we open, we open apps on our, it's by the Spirit of God that your physical body can do what it needs to do. No more imagining what life would be like living free of guilt and shame. Just lean into the Holy Spirit. Yesterday I'm working and I, and I begin to think about where I was two years ago. And I'd seen a post by somebody and I, and I thought two, two or three years ago I'd probably agree with that statement. But when I seen this post I was like, Lord, that's not true. Lord, you, you, you've shown me that that's not who you are. Lord, you've extended mercy to me when I didn't deserve it. God, I, I know that. That's not who you are, Lord. Lord, you show me that you're the father in Luke 15. Lord, you show me that you're the one that closes the mouths of the lions in, de, in the chapter in the book of Daniel. Lord, you show me that you're the one that splits the seas so I can walk on dry ground when everything else is going on. Lord, you show me time and time after again. And the only reason I was able to come to that, that destination was because the Holy Spirit, as he was perfecting things in me, church, lean into him. Take every thought captive that is the opposite of the Lord. Well, Lindsay, I'm reading this book and it says this. I don't care what the book says. What does Jesus say? If the book doesn't confirm what Jesus is telling you, it's the wrong book. I'm going to say that again. If the book does not confirm what Jesus is telling you in prayer time. Have you ever noticed we keep pointing back to you doing prayer time on your own? Why? Because what he desires from you cannot just be met in this space. It's got to be met when you leave here. This is a great once a week. But what God wants for you, it requires more than once a week. That going from glory to glory to glory it's going to take a long time if you're, just seeking the, if you're just seeking it when you come to church. If you're just pressing in when you come to church. If you're just receiving prayer. If you're just receiving help when you come to church. But it moves a lot faster. Can I say this now that I promise I'm done? But when I first started my mail job, I remember I got hired October 16th. Never forget the date. Got hired October 16th. And, uh, you know, in the training and all that stuff, they, you know, they said you have a 90-day period. And once your 90-day period go, goes, you can transfer to other offices. You can do whatever you want. I'm like, cool, cool. And me and this one lady, we, we got hired in the same time. So we would keep up with it. And I remember we're in this, uh, we're on the Zoom call. And uh, she, she elbows me. She's like, hey, Lindsay, like, uh, you realize we're at day 103? I was like, well, we are. She's like, yeah. I said, oh, so good, so good. I said, oh, snap, all right, about to go get that little, that little, what, 
25 cent raise, you know, all this stuff. We're going we're gonna to be doing good. Me and her, we already planning all this stuff. You know how I do. My imagination goes. I remember we'll go to the boss and, you know, we're like, hey, you know, we're at day 103. And my wife and close people know this. And that's when she dropped the bombshell. Oh, it's, it's not 90 calendar days. It's 90 working hours. I was like, 90 working hours. And see, most people wouldn't think there was a problem. But at the time, I was just working one day a week. Eight-hour shift, once a week. I was like, I'm be, I'm be, my 90 working hours ain't going to get done until two years. Like, I'm being I'm be the nine-day product for two straight years. No. Just that one, just that one encounter once a week, that was all, that wasn't, it wasn't going to get me to where it needed to be. But then one day she, she said, uh, she called me, she said, hey, hey, Jackson needs some help. Do you mind going out there? I was like. Yeah, sure. And it, we won't get into it, but it's a whole nother, it's a whole nother beast in, in, in itself. But I remember when I started working out there, I was working more than once a week. I was working four, sometimes five, sometimes six days a week. And what was supposed to take two years ended up getting completed in a month and a half. I remember a month and a half come by, uh, Kelsey was like, man, you should be at your 90 working hours. I was like, you know what? I sure should be at my 90 working hours. Or 90 days, 90 days. So I remember we, we, we counted it up, and I had Jackson count it up. Oh, I was well past that. So I walked back to her office. I was like, hey, I'm past my 90 days. Oh, I have to count it up. Oh, you take your time. I got time. Go and count it up. Count it up. She counted up. Well, you sure are. You're well past the 90 days. I'm thinking, oh, I am. But it was multiple encounters, not just the one day, once a week visits. What you desire from the Lord, you, you need to have multiple encounters. You need to be pressing in. You need to be reading. You need to be praying. You need to be spending time with him more than just Sundays. Even if it's just five minutes Monday morning or five minutes Tuesday morning, multiple, multiple. Put in the time. Put in the time. Not because you're trying to earn something, but because, think of it this way. Every time, every time you get into the presence of the Lord, there is something available that your heart needs. There is something available that your mind needs, whether you know it or not. Whether you know it or not. It's like, it's like you get on those, on those spam sites, and every time you click on it, they, here's a new coupon. Here's another coupon. You know, anytime I go buy cologne or perfume from this one store for me and Kelsey, they're always like, here's, here's another. Every, I've never been in there where they haven't given me a coupon. Every experience I go, they always give me a coupon. Every time you get into the presence of the Lord, there's always something else that you need. Every time. Every time. If you're not experiencing him, it's on you. Because he's available, church. He is more than available, amen. I encourage you this week. I encourage you. Make you a plan. And even if you had to call, even if you even if you had to hold somebody accountable before you leave here, give us somebody say, "Hey, I'm going to do my best to at least spend five to ten or fifteen minutes with the Lord every day." I need you to I need you to call here. Let, let, let's check on each other either in the morning or at the end of the day, to where you're texting them like, "Hey, did you spend some time with the Lord?" And you don't be arrogant. Hey, did you spend some time with the Lord today, like Pastor Lindsay said? Be like, "Hey, hey, do it, do do it real slick." Hey, what did the Lord pour in your heart today? What's going to happen when you see that message? You're going to be like, oh, hey, hey, BRB. Be right back. What did the Lord pour in your heart today, man?